You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. NATO considers Article 5 in cyberspace, while cyber attacks conducted in the Russian interest target the NATO summit. Anonymous Sudan remains a nuisance-level irritant, Plop's surprising use of move-it exploits. Asylum Ambuscade is a case study in privateering. There are reports of a breach at Razor. An indictment in a cyber incident at a California water treatment facility. Genesis Markets Fire Sale. Carol Terrio on the data Amazon customers provide with some suggestions on curbing it. Our guest is Dmitry Bastujev, Senior Director in Cyber Threat Intelligence for BlackBerry. And Amazon Prime Day is upon us, and the crooks have noticed. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel briefing for Tuesday, July 11th, 2023. The summit in Vilnius, Lithuania, affords an opportunity for NATO to take stock of its collective cyber defenses. The NATO Cooperative Cyber Defense Center of Excellence in Tallinn has proven its value, and as cyberspace has become a generally recognized operational domain, the Alliance may consider ways in which it might build even more effective collective security in that fifth domain. Security Week offers a range of suggestions that may be under consideration, from collective joint cyber training to the formation of a NATO Cyber Command analogous to the National Cyber Command several of its members have developed, to considerations of the ways in which cyber attacks might trigger the collective defense provisions of Article 5, and consideration of what a proportionate response to the cyber phases of a hybrid war might look like. The summit runs today and tomorrow. We'll be following the cyber-relevant developments. BlackBerry researchers have found that the rom-com threat actor is using malicious documents to spread its remote-access Trojan. The targeting is significant. BlackBerry says, based on the nature of the upcoming NATO summit and the related lure documents sent out by the threat actor, the intended victims are representatives of Ukraine, foreign organizations, and individuals supporting Ukraine. The researcher's conclusion reads... Based on the available information, we have medium to high confidence to conclude that this is a rom-com rebranded operation or that one or more members of the rom-com threat group are behind this new campaign supporting a new threat group. So the NATO summit hasn't escaped the attention of those interested in disrupting 
what Russian state media nowadays calls the collective West. Anonymous Sudan launched another wave of DDoS attacks against U.S.-owned companies over the weekend, leading into Monday morning. The group, widely believed to be a Russian cyber auxiliary, claimed that the DDoS attacks against Reddit, Tumblr, Flickr, and archiveyourown.org were to take down services which host LGBTQ+, and not-safe-for-work content. The group explained on its Telegram page, It's part of our campaign targeting companies registered in the United States. The operators of this site is Organization for Transformative Works, OTW, who are registered in the United States. In addition to that, we are against all forms of degeneracy, and the site is full of disgusting smuts and other LGBTQ plus and NSFW things. Anonymous Sudan has also posted tweets from irritated users of Tumblr, Reddit, and Flickr, presumably as evidence of the hacktivist auxiliary's successful DDoS attack. Update on the Anonymous Sudan story from yesterday, after the company for archiveyourown.org's parent, AO3, tweeted that their volunteer IT staff is working to fight off the DDoS attack, Anonymous Sudan wrote that they demand a ransom of $30,000. Anonymous Sudan will attack, and if there's public outrage or irritation, the group demands money. Anonymous Sudan, despite its name, is almost certainly a front operated under the direction of Russian intelligence. It's shown a growing sophistication in its operations, and its DDoS activity, more successful than most such attacks, suggests that it's receiving relatively lavish funding. The infrastructure necessary to conduct a DDoS on the scale the group has doesn't come cheap, Cybersecurity Dive points out. Researchers at Huntress note that the Klopp gang, despite compromising many entities via the MoveIt vulnerabilities, still hasn't used the access to deploy ransomware or compromise entire organizations. The group appears to be monetizing compromises that took place in late May by posting stolen data to its leak site. The researchers believe Klopp overloaded itself with opportunities and is working to monetize as many of them as possible until discovery or eviction. For all of Klopp's prominence in MoveIt exploitation, their backlog is surprising and, on reflection, a little dismaying. Just how much has the gang got on its plate? Asylum Ambuscade is a criminal group active since 2020, at least, that's engaged in attacks against banks and cryptocurrency traders. ESET reports that the gang increasingly is functioning as an espionage service as well. ESET writes, Asylum Ambuscade has been running cyber espionage campaigns since at least 2020. ESET reports that the gang increasingly is functioning as an espionage service as well. Asylum Ambuscade, whose attacks commonly begin with spear phishing, is thought to be a financially motivated group that engages in cyber espionage as a side hustle. Who's hiring them is unclear, and ESET offers no speculation, but InfoSecurity magazine notes some coincidences that suggest circumstantially that Pyongyang may be a client. Bleeping Computer reported yesterday on recent rumors that the video game hardware company Razer may have been hacked on July 8th. A user on a nondescript hacker forum made a post titled Razer.com, source code, database, encryption keys, etc., and requested $100 in Monero cryptocurrency, which is known for its transaction anonymity, 
for a full dump of the alleged stolen information. Razor responded to this claim on July 9th in a tweet stating, We have been made aware of a potential breach and are currently investigating. Bleeping Computer also reported that Razor seems to have reset all member accounts requiring users to log in with their password and username, likely as a security response to the potential breach. Razor, while famous for their gaming accessories, also has several online paid services such as Razor Gold, a video game purchasing service with the ability to purchase in-game items. A federal grand jury has indicted a man from Tracy, Massachusetts, for intentionally causing damage to a protected computer after he was accused of remotely deleting critical software from a water treatment facility. The man, Rambler Gaio, was employed as an instrumentation and control tech for a private company responsible for operating the Discovery Bay Water Treatment Plant, located in Discovery Bay, California. The indictment was filed on June 27th and was unsealed on July 6th. Hackreed reports that Gaio apparently resigned from the company responsible for servicing the plant and subsequently uninstalled the critical software on the water plant's computers. We note that Mr. Gaio is, of course, entitled to the presumption of innocence with respect to the allegations. The operators of the criminal marketplace Genesis Market are attempting to sell the platform, the record reports. The attempted sale follows disruptions and seizures carried out by the U.S. FBI earlier this year. The criminals say the sale includes all the developments, including a complete database, source codes, scripts with a certain agreement, as well as server infrastructure. So hop to it, world. The boss is on vacation, or maybe under indictment, which amounts to pretty much the same thing. And they've all gone crazy. Step right up. All sales are probably final. And finally, we've long seen that cyber criminals, hacktivists, and even intelligence services pay as much attention to the calendar as any ordinary Joe or Jane. And since we now tend to observe sales as if they were holidays, like Black Friday or Cyber Monday, the crooks are observing these in their own way, too. As Amazon Prime Day arrives with promising deals and discounts, it also presents a perfect opportunity for scammers and cyber threat actors to take advantage of eager shoppers. Verity released a preparatory report for users in an attempt to cut the threat actors off at the pass. Verity explains that PDF-based phishing schemes are a common tool to trick shoppers into giving up their Prime credentials. They say... Unsuspecting users are directed to a phishing website after opening the PDF document meticulously crafted to mimic the official Amazon login page. The attackers employ AI-generated text, such as ChatGPT-generated content, to make the phishing sites look convincing. The threat actors are also almost certainly going to use email and fake applications as phishing techniques, It's imperative that users only visit the legitimate Amazon shopping page or use the Amazon shopping application, which was developed by Amazon Mobile, LLC. Verity also suggests verifying that the website you're visiting is legitimate before inputting any personal information. Don't be a prime target for threat actors and scammers. Remain vigilant and skeptical. And happy Prime Day to all those who celebrate. (laughs) 
coming up after the break. Carol Terrio on the data Amazon customers provide and some suggestions on curbing it. Our guest is Dmitry Bastujev, Senior Director in Cyber Threat Intelligence for BlackBerry. Stay with us. In the complex world of enterprise identity, securing legacy web apps at scale can be daunting. Strata Identity makes it simple. With Strata, you can effortlessly integrate non-standard apps with any identity service, like MFA or SSO, with zero coding and zero hassle. Designed by identity architects for identity architects, Strata works with every vendor, standard, and app architecture. This means your apps can now speak modern protocols and integrate seamlessly with your chosen identity services. From securing on-prem web apps to migrating away from outdated identity providers or consolidating them, Strata helps you keep your complex access policies as you modernize your identity infrastructure and get rid of technical debt. Join leading organizations like 3M, Dallas County, and CIBC in securing your apps with Strata. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity security priorities, and receive a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. Everybody, I want to take a few minutes here and talk about our sponsor, Splunk. You know, you need to keep operations humming around the clock, but potential disruptions are everywhere. Splunk helps you predict problems and find and fix issues fast so you can reduce risk and ditch downtime. The world's largest enterprises rely on Splunk's unified security and observability platform to become more efficient, resilient, and innovative. With Splunk, you can react quickly, evolve faster, and be ready for anything. Stay ahead of disruptions. Learn more at splunk.com slash resilience. Dmitry Bestujev is Senior Director in Cyber Threat Intelligence for BlackBerry. They recently published their Q1 Global Threat Intelligence Report, and I checked in with Dmitry Bestujev for the details. One of the, let's say, like terrific things we have seen is uh, in uh, 90 days we have seen, uh, we have stopped uh, 1,578,000 uh, malware-based attacks in that that is like really a big number because when you convert it into seconds and to minutes and so you realize that it's about 12 attacks per minute every minute uh, also there is a, something interesting while splitting those 90 days per weeks uh, we can see that the major number of attacks more than 200,000 attacks happened Exactly the first week of December. So why? Because holidays, 
shopping season, online uh, purchases, everybody was like looking to buy something, also you know, like online promotions, like on, on sale things. Uh, so uh, that is what we can say in regards of the amount of attacks that happened exactly first week of December, while the lowest number of attacks happened on the fourth week of uh, December, which is, again, logical because uh, vacations of people already bought everything, so nobody is doing any online purchases, just spending with the family, sitting home, relaxing. So that's uh, it's, it's interesting that malware reflects uh, motivations of the threat actors and also victims' habits. So it's not about malicious code only, it's about people, it's about our life. What are you seeing in terms of the threat actors themselves? Are, are what are the tools they're using and uh, and how aggressive they are? That's a sad part. It's a, it's something which uh, concern me concerns me most because um, we have seen that the threat actors and it's financially motivated threat actors, nation state threat actors. Those uh, who are, let's say, like in shade or gray zone, it's unclear who it can be because they use, uh, let's say, like shared tools, same tools, same weapons used by both nation state and cybercrime. They, uh, those threat actors in general, they have targeted the following industries. Like most targeted industries are financial institutions, 34%, then followed by health services. 14%, and then it's a food and retailing 12%. So that is about 60% of all attacks. And uh, essentially, it's uh, it's all we need to live. We need access to our finances. We need access to uh, healthcare. We need access to food. So we see that independently on the origins of the threat actor and the motivation, the impact, like what are they targeting, what kind of businesses or uh, industries they are targeting. And it's like what we need even just to leave. So that that's something like really um, concerning. So based on the information that you all have gathered here, what are your recommendations? How should folks go about best protecting themselves? That is about knowing uh, who are the threat actors specifically targeting the industry you work for, the industry you defend. Who are those threat actors? What weapons do they use and how they use them? That approach is also called applied CTI, applied cyber threat intelligence. So it's it's about getting factual, contextual knowledge which you can use to anticipate the attacks and to to take specific actions, like, for example, to test your protection capabilities, if not your detection capabilities. The same as your response. Can you respond to an attack and recover? To, to recover? Uh, so that information based on the actual attacks, actual weapons, actual threat actors helps blue teamers, red teamers, uh, purple team and joint exercises to test uh, actual capabilities in terms of uh, protection, prevention, response, uh, etc. And that that also helps to understand even if the tools we are using, let's say to protect my network, to protect my assets, if they are even designed to help me to face those threat actors because sometimes 
they might use, threat actors might use uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures which are out of protection scope. It means even with the best things we can do, best effort, if our systems, defensive systems, are not designed to protect against specific uh, techniques, we will not in a position be in a position to stop the th threat actors. So my recommendation is to use CTI, cyber threat intelligence, with that context, so everyone may first do an effective threat module, and second, test your capabilities, the mentioned just before. That's Dmitry Bestujev from BlackBerry. have noticed that it is Amazon Prime Day, but you may also be wondering what information does Amazon gather about you and your shopping habits, among other things. Our UK correspondent Carol Terrio was wondering the same thing. She files this report. So there I was reading an article in The Guardian about the gazillion dollar data hoover that is Amazon. And honestly, I was feeling a little smug here because I do not have an Amazon Home Assistant. I do not have a Kindle. I do not have a Ring doorbell. But then I had to swallow my pride because I am indeed an Amazon Prime member. Now, I use this membership to buy items I cannot find locally or in another shop. And I also enjoy their video streaming service. And listen to this passage from The Guardian. Quote, the 200 million users who are Amazon Prime members are not only the corporation's most valuable customers, but also the richest source of user data. The more Amazon and services you use, whether it's the shopping app, the Kindle e-reader, the Ring doorbell, the Echo smart speaker, or the Prime streaming service, the more their algorithms can infer what kind of person you are and what you are most likely to buy next. The firm software is so accomplished at prediction that third parties can hire its algorithms as a service called Amazon Forecast. I mean, Amazon's data collection is so vast that the only way to stop it completely is not to use the services at all. Actually, it's probably even worse than that. It probably means trying to stay off the internet entirely. And it's not like Amazon hasn't just recently been seriously dinged. It was hit with an $886.6 million fine for processing personal data in violation of the EU data protection rules, the GDPR. And that isn't pocket change, even for the mega giant that is Amazon. Now, The Guardian go on to make a few suggestions if you wanted to try and curb some of the data that was being collected by Amazon. You can ask the company for a copy of your data by applying under a data subject access request. The Alexa Assistant and Ring Doorbell have their own privacy hubs that allow you to delete recordings and adjust privacy settings. Inside the Ring Control Center, you can tweak settings including who is able to see and access your videos and personal info from the central dashboard. And even when you are speaking to your home assistant, you can say, delete what I just said or delete everything I said today. 
You can also use privacy-focused browsers such as DuckDuckGo, Firefox, and Brave to stop Amazon from tracking you. And here's the thing that really gets me in all this. It's that these are not free service that Amazon are kindly providing to you in exchange for your data. They are charging you for the Kindle and then access to the digital books. And they're using that collated data to help build a profile of you for their advertising partners. Same goes for the Ring doorbell or the Home Assistant. And yes, same goes for me, an Amazon Prime user who is paying for these services but also providing them huge amounts of data so they can build a profile about me. (laughs) Maybe that's why I keep getting retirement and funeral ads. I think they've got my age slightly wrong, or they know something I don't. I'm not sure what's scarier. I don't know, it just reeks of unregulated greed, like someone who has cashed in their chips but continues to play poker. Not someone I'd want as a friend or as a business partner. And maybe I really need to think hard about lining Jesus's pockets just so I can stream a few movies. This was Carol Terrio for the Cyberwire. With over 8,000 threat hunters analyzing over 65 trillion signals daily, Microsoft works tirelessly with the federal government to keep our nation's data secure. This 30-plus year partnership is driving mission innovation that is secure by design. Whether optimizing your existing defenses or tackling advanced threats with AI, Microsoft gives you the intelligence and the automation you need to defend at mission scale. Let's work together to stay ahead of emerging threats and secure your mission anywhere. Learn more at aka.ms slash fedcyber. That's aka.ms slash fedcyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by our editorial staff. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.
Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. Cyber.